Hello, and welcome to the Poo 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 podcast. I'm Lisa Mayer, and this story is about the time I spent three days in kindergarten. I walk in, and 14 pairs of little eyes look up at me, every one of them suspicious. Where's Mrs. Gavin? I'm Miss Mayer, I say zestfully. I get to be your teacher for three whole days. They look me over, unimpressed, and go back to their morning work, tracing their names at their little blue tables. I tiptoe through the little blue tables and find the teacher's desk. The room is arranged with all these cute little areas, a library nook with a big box of pillows, a gathering rug with a big rocking chair, and a corner with blocks and Legos and games. There are motivational posters all over the walls that feature successful kittens. You're perfect the way you are. A mini Yenta, a busybody, comes over as I sit down. She is holding a big bag of cheese-flavored chips. I'm Marissa. She crunches away, chips flying, mouth DJT orange. She is, not that I'm one to talk, not so mini. On my teacher's desk is a schedule for the next three days. Today's schedule is 14 pages long. There are sign-ups for lunch, specials every day like gym or music, and class rotations. So my class goes to a different teacher for math, and her class comes to me for social studies. What kind of social studies do you learn in kindergarten? Oh, and I have lunch duty. Oh, and there are new dismissal policies. Oh, and the fire department is coming tomorrow for a safety demonstration. Oh, am I overwhelmed. Suddenly, there is a scratchy sound. The loudspeaker starts the Pledge of Allegiance. Melissa and I, Marissa and I, rise automatically and put our hands over our hearts. A little redhead girl yells at a little boy to stand up. Another little redhead girl joins in, and by the time they finish yelling, the pledge is over. Apparently, we have one nation, under God, and we are invisible. Then the loudspeaker welcomes the substitutes for the day by name. Ms. Mayer is mentioned first. All the kids shout, ooh! And then there is a rush towards one corner of the room, and a long line forms. I crane my neck. It's a line for the electric pencil sharpener. Why? Everyone uses only crayons or markers. Rug time! I get to sit on the teacher's rocking chair. I get the purple pointer! screams Cameron, who is in charge of today's morning meeting welcome. I do the month, the date, and the day of the week, screams Tyla. The kids constantly correct each other and are incredibly bossy. They also have an outsized sense of fairness and sulk or fall to the floor in a tantrum if they think they've been dissed. Jamie will shriek if someone goes near his green crayon, even if he's not using it, because it's his favorite color. Meantime, I get most of the kids off the pencil sharpening line and onto the rug. There are two boys who crouch defiantly close to the rug, but won't sit on the rug. Please come to the rug, I say. We don't want to, they say. Orion and James are always in trouble, says a particularly beautiful little girl who is outfitted to the nines in a flared dress and stylish silver booties. Her name, I find out from a besotted little boy, is Bella. That's too bad, I say to Bella. I grab the attendance sheet. Well, now I know Bella and Orion and James, I say to the group. I look at the outlaws. Which one of you is Orion? Ay, a rookie mistake. We're not telling. 
Hey, you know me too, sputters Marissa. She starts to wail. The wailing gets louder. I look nervously at the door. It's closed, thank God. I decide that my authority cannot afford this, so I try to win them over another way. Would you like to hear a story about when Ms. Mayer was in kindergarten? Yes, they chorus. Thank God. By the time I finish, they are all on the rug and want more stories. Plus, they are also eager to tell me their names. They want me to hear them clearly and remember each name. So they all shout them out at the exact same time. I think, okay, Lisa, you got this. I'm going to tell them stories, teach appropriate vocabulary words, perhaps progress to characterization and plot. They are going to love me and learn so much. And then it starts. I have to go potty. What's your name? Piper, with a Y. Does Mrs. Gavin let you go by yourself? Piper, with a Y, nods enthusiastically. How far is the bathroom? Piper, with a Y, points vaguely out the window. Cameron stands nearby, and somehow I trust him. Does Miss Gavin really let you go to the bathroom by yourselves, I ask? He nods. But only one girl and one boy at a time. Piper, with a Y, looks at me accusingly. <sighs> Not yet have I studied the theories of Piaget and Vygotsky. I know nothing of constructivism, of pair share, of schema. I'm basically a camp counselor. Piper, with a Y, comes back into the room at just that moment, ignores all the kids, walks up to me and whispers loudly into my face. I have to go, but I don't know how to wipe. <laughs> I rise in alarm. Does, does your tummy hurt? Oh, yes. Well, then, you better go to the nurse. She hurries off. Seriously. There is still a long line for the pencil sharpener. Huh. When I was a little girl back in Yeshiva Central Queens in New York City, there was one substitute teacher for the entire school. I don't remember anybody else ever subbing in any grade. Mrs. Sandauer. She wore the same poofy yellow flowered dress every day. She wore her poofy yellow hair piled all over her head. She was about 200 years old. She would totter into the classroom, plop herself in the teacher's chair, search out Jeff Perlmutter in the back row, point a chewed and chubby finger at him and say, get under my desk now. She wouldn't even give him a new chance every time. Jeff would spend the entire morning crouched in the footwell of the teacher's desk. If he made a sound, Mrs. Sandauer kicked him. Sometimes she would order another boy down there, and you could tell by the way she wiggled her top half that she was kicking both of them at the same time. I didn't particularly like Jeff Perlmutter. He was annoying, but I felt bad for him. It probably didn't smell very good under the desk either. Piper with a Y comes back from the nurse. She told me to hold it until I get home. Seriously. Meantime, their real teacher, Mrs. Gavin, who has no doubt read Piaget and Vygotsky, has created a fantastic reward system for my benefit. It's a gigantic star on the whiteboard, ready to be filled in with little stars. If the children earn 25 little stars over the three-day period, they will get a surprise. What's the surprise? I don't know. I say it's a surprise. They earn their first stars, which I draw inside the big star in bright purple marker, for listening nicely to a story about littering. A few minutes later, the two redhead girls start fighting over the pointer. I pick up the purple mar marker and they freeze. 
One hands the pointer to the other with a forced smile. I reward them with a star. It's like magic. The second day, they earn a few more purple stars when they clean up the 4,000 Legos in time for the firefighter's presentation. They teach me the song for lining up. Our eyes are on the door, our feet are on the floor, our hands behind our back, and we say, no more! The firefighters themselves are hot, and the pretty young teachers blush when the blonde and built chief demonstrates how he can jump <laughs> how, he <laughs> how he can jump into his pants. But when the chief goes full frontal with the giant coat and the goggles and the gas mask, one little kindergartner starts screaming. So the chief has to take everything off again to prove he's not an alien. The firefighters talk about making a family safety plan, a fire drill at home, just like you have here at school. The kids are fascinated and respectful. No wonder everyone wants to be a firefighter when they grow up. I was my son Aaron kindergarten class mommy on their trip to their fire station. I looked more like those pretty young teachers back then, and one of the firemen asked me if I wanted to sit up in that super high chair all the way in the back of the truck. He didn't wait for an answer, but put both his hands around my waist from behind and lifted me up and over his head and into the seat. <sighs> I still dream about it. When we get back to the kindergarten, it hits me that tomorrow is my last day, so I tell the kids I want to create an epic story together. Everyone will help write it, and everyone will help draw the pictures. I am imagining deep outer space, new dimensions, cute cuddly critters. Then it starts again. I have to go potty, says Piper, who now I think of as Piper with a P. I also have to go, said Cameron. Me too, says Orion or James. I give up. Okay, who else has to go? Every dang one of them raises their hands, including those on the line for the pencil sharpener. Field trip, I say, let's all go. One thing about schools is that they are very strict about proper comportment in the hallways, hence all those songs about lining up. Another of my favorites, Tootsie Roll, Lollipop, we are talking, now we stop. And, and let's all be night owls, I say. To me, that means silent predatory flights, but they start flying down the hole with loud flapping wings and ear-piercing screeches. Every single teacher comes out from her classroom to stare. There's a water fountain in between the bathrooms, and the kids have allotted each other exactly ten seconds to drink. They count loudly. What's worse is I really have to go potty, too. Another spurt of the water fountain, and I decide to risk it. Stay exactly where you are, I say. I wriggle to the last stall of the girls' room, pee as fast as humanly possible, and come out to wash my hands. Marissa looks at me slyly. I watched you the whole time. The teachers are peeping out into the hall again, so I march everybody with a new lineup song. I created it on the spot. Kindergarten starts with K. We are feeling keen today. We can jump like kangaroos. We're cool as koalas, too. We suggest you keep away, because we all know karate. Yeah, teachers, what do you think of that? Well, it worked. I got them back to our room and on the rug. I was epically determined. Let's make a story. How about a lion, asks Bella. I like cheetahs better, says Orion or James. He looks at Bella. Okay, a lion. We can do both, 
say the redhead girls. Somehow a frog and a pizza complete the plot and everyone lines up at the pencil sharpener. I tell them that we're going to use crayons. The line gets no shorter. For the rest of the day, kids draw jungles and cheetahs and lions and pizzas. Cameron becomes my personal Leonardo da Vinci. Can you please draw me a frog looking scared, I say, and also one looking pleased with himself? He nods. A few minutes later, he drops the drawings on my desk. Cameron, I say, you are a fabulous artist. This does not sit well with Tyla. She lets out a shriek that turns into a ululation. Three teachers come running into the room. They see no blood, so they look at me, annoyed. I go over to the still screamy Tyla, pick her up, and bring her to my desk. You are going to be my special helper, I say. Only me, she confirms. The three teachers pop back into the room for a checkup and assess the now ecstatic Tyla, who is now cuddling on my lap. They shake their heads. I want to sit on your lap, too, demands Marissa. As soon as Tyla wanders off towards the pencil sharpener, Marissa climbs aboard. She stays for a few seconds, and when she gets off, there is a large, moist spot on my pants. At dismissal, the children count up the stars that remain yet unearned. They are actually pretty good at counting. They need six more stars. I know you're going to do it, I cheer. The next morning is our last day together, and they wait eagerly for my name to be mentioned as guest teacher before the pledge. They say they will be sad when I go, that they wish I could be their teacher all the time. Disloyal little cretins, I think, but I am chuffed. Some of the great thinkers who study the way children learn, including uh, Piaget and Lev Vygotsky, wrote that children construct their own learning through experiences. Social learning is very important, and children absorb knowledge as they are ready for it, which Vygotsky called the zone of proximal development. No one teaches the way I was taught anymore, and no one, like that kicky substitute Mrs. Sandauer, is even allowed in a classroom anymore. <sighs> At least that. I collect everyone's drawings, 27 in all. Cameron draws me another frog, a smiling one, 28. I give everyone lots of free time to read and play Legos and hang out in line at the pencil sharpener. I start to assemble the story, taping the pages together in a long horizontal line. I write the story itself in a sharpie, a few words per page. It looks great. I fold it carefully and hide it in my teacher's desk. It's going to be my grand finale. I get them on the rug and teach them if I had a hammer. They start singing blissfully and at the top of their lungs. We are all in the zone of proximal delight. When I open my eyes, the principal herself is standing there, smiling. Thank God. I love that song, she says. She tells me that she is very grateful for my service to the school and that she heard great things about me. I probably look shocked. One half hour till dismissal, and I tell everyone to take out their snacks while Miss Mayer prepares something special. I get a step stool and all my tacks and hang that 28-panel story up on the wall. It is fabulous and colorful and delight delightful and takes up the entire side of the room. I go around to each table with a few Hershey's kisses for each child and tell them that I love them and that they are all delicious. Then I say, okay, everybody, look up. See what we did together. And then I take a pointer and point to each panel as I read the story. 
As each kid recognizes their own artwork, they squeal in delight. And so the lion and the cheetah decide that they would both rather eat pizza than eat the frog. The end. There is a hush, and then they stand and erupt in a cheer. I walk dramatically over to the big star and fill in the missing six. The surprise will be theirs. They cheer louder. Some of them start dancing and hugging each other. I look at the clock. Time for them to get ready to go home for the weekend. Come Monday, Mrs. Gavin will be back. My pants will be washed, and these three days will gradually fade from memory. I hope she'll leave the epic lion and cheetah story up for at least a while. It's really spectacular. I'm I'm overwhelmed with emotion. I think, wow, my first time being a real kindergarten teacher. I want to capture this moment. I, I want to memorialize the feeling. I want to write this all down. But there is a long line for the pencil sharpener.